0: Welcome to church. Welcome to Southfield. I'm really glad that you're here. I am because if you guys weren't here, we would just be standing up here by ourselves and that's just not fun. So I'm glad to hear your voices singing and praising God. And it sounds awesome from up here and I can't imagine how it's pleasing God's ears right now. Um, So we're going to come back together this week and we're celebrating our church's 130th birthday today. Um, But over the past Several weeks, Dennis has been touching on lots of things, like leaning in and listening. Do what God is blessing. Observe and not be oblivious. Um, But today, it's a happy birthday day. But we're going to keep worshiping God. We're going to sing about His love right now. us for putting boundaries on it Lord and and taking away the power by thinking that your love just isn't powerful enough to cover what we've done God or the, the, the million times that we need forgiven Lord Jesus we pray Lord that you would just reveal that love to us over and over again and we know that you did that on the cross and sometimes it takes a lot for it to sink into our hearts but Lord, our prayer today is that we would realize the incredible love that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Hey, it's great to see you. hope you have uh, a restful weekend planned. Yes, no? It's supposed to be a break. Columbus Day. I always look forward to Columbus Day growing up. It was, of course, back in New York. We started school at a reasonable time, a couple days after Labor Day. By now our kids seem like they've already been in school for about six months. But it was kind of that first nice break, got going, school was going, everything else, and you got a chance to breathe. and Make sure you take advantage of these break weekends and, and really enjoy them. Uh, you got a folder as you came in today, and on the inside there's a card. I want you to go ahead and put your name on that. And at the end of my time talking this morning, we're going to have you do something with that that... That is going to be really special. So I want you to go ahead and get your name on that now. If you're with us for the first time, we're so glad you came today. And you're going to notice as you leave today uh, a table on your way out the door. It's basically straight ahead of you as you leave the door. Banner behind it, it says, For Our Guests. And there we have a a couple of books. One is a a Bible. If you'd like a a Bible, either you don't have one or you don't have one that, that speaks just good plain American plain American English, I'd encourage you to take it, read it, use it, get to know God through that. And there's also another smaller book by Andy Stanley called How Good is Good Enough? And it just gives you an idea of how you can establish a relationship with God. That's the most important thing uh, you'll ever do. So i encourage you to do that today as well. Um, It's coming. Yeah, there's the number. And today I get to formally, officially say to you, happy birthday. Because it was on October 9th in 1881 that these people swedish speaking Swedish met in a church in downtown Joliet and for the first time they called themselves a church. And here we are 130 years later enjoying the benefit of what they did for us. The sacrifice, the devotion, all the things that they did, we're enjoying the benefit of that all these years later. And I thought as we, as we break into our, our birthday this morning that it might be a good idea to just put our minds back into the mindset of a person from 1881. What was, what was happening back then? What, what did life look like in 1881? You know, the first thing I did, of course, the 1800s, I thought, okay, how does the whole end of the Civil War, Lincoln's assassination, how does that work into the picture? It, for them, it was only 16 years before. That that happened. So, for us, that would be 1995. That's not that long ago, really. If you think of the events that were happening in 1995, they were still being influenced by the freshness of the end of the war, by the freshness of the assassination of a president. There were a lot of things that went on in 1881 that, that I didn't know. I'm not an 1881 expert. Maybe you are. Uh, I thought these were really intriguing. This one is fictional, okay, but at least it was written in fiction. It was January 1st, 1881, that Dr. Watson was introduced to Sherlock Holmes as a character. And it was just a couple months later, on March 4th, that they actually did their first investigation. 1881. 1881, in January, Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell formed the Oriental Telephone Company. And it's been going nuts ever since. I was thinking about these guys this week and wondering what they would think watching people doing this as they're driving and people staring and doing this. I, you know, could they ever have imagined that everybody would hold their, hold their own phone without a cord running behind them? I mean, it's just, it's unthinkable. It's mind blowing. February of 1881, Phoenix, Arizona was incorporated. We're glad for that. March 4th, 20th President of the United States. You know who it was? Yeah, right. (laughs) Who's the current president? How you doing? Okay, yeah, exactly. Uh, James Garfield was inaugurated in March. Back then they inaugurated in March, not in in January. In March of 1881, Barnum & Bailey Circus was introduced. Very first time. Uh, April 16th, Dodge City, Kansas Bat Masterson fights his last gun battle. A lot of great Old West nastiness going on in 1881. It was amazing. Or how about this one? In May of 1881, Clara Bout and barton founded the American Red Cross. Um, June of that year, the player piano was patented. On July 2nd, President Garfield was shot. So here he was just inaugurated in March, and in July 2nd he shot Two days later, Booker T. Washington established the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Another Old West one for you, July 14th. Billy the Kid is shot and killed by Pat Garrett outside Fort Sumner. It was kind of a wild year, all these guys shooting it up. On July 20th, the Sioux Indian Chief Sitting Bull surrendered to federal troops. In September of that year, Lewis Latimer invented and patented the electrical, electric lamp with a carbon filament. And then on September 19th, James Garfield ends his presidency because his life ended. He died. And the next president, the 21st president, the president who was president when our church started, was president. And his name is? Yeah, exactly, crickets. I had no idea. Chester Arthur. Now, how many of you have never heard of Chester Arthur? You're like, there was a guy named Chester who was president? Yeah, exactly. Chester Arthur was the president of the United States just two weeks before our church started. This one blew me away, and then again, maybe not. So the Cubs, (laughs) they were playing a team from New York, a team that was only around for about four years. It was a team from Troy, New York, and they had a game. And the Cubs have one of just, oh, many inauspicious records. In that game, they had the lowest attendance ever at a Major League Baseball game. Do you know how many people were there? Go ahead and guess. Take your guess. Well, you must know history because it was 12. 12 people. 12 people at this game. I mean, my goodness sakes. Okay, let's go back to the Old West. October 26th, Wyatt Earp. Doc Holliday and the Clantons engage in the gunfight at O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona. 1881. Keep going. Now, this is nothing like modern times. Charles Jetteau went on trial for Garfield's assassination the same year. Not 10 years later, not 20 years later, the same year. Within months. It's amazing. Uh, November 15th, American Federation of Labor was founded in Pittsburgh. December 4th, first edition of the Los Angeles Times is published and we got to end in the Old West again. On December 28th, our anniversary, Virgil Earp was ambushed in Tombstone and lost the use of his left arm. All that happened in 1881. I mean, think about this setting. There were great inventions going on. There were things that were literally going to change the world, and on top of that, violence that is legendary today, things that we look back at, we see movies about them. And it was in the middle of all of that that a group of people said, it is very important that we reach other people for Jesus Christ. And they set out on that mission. They set out on that task. Every era has had a backdrop. You know, whether it's been uh, our church in World War I or the Great Depression or World War II or the 60s or whatever, there's always been a backdrop playing as we've had the privilege of ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of our area. Later tonight, our kids are going to go to a place that in some ways is really uh, it's sacred ground for our church. It's called Pine Ridge Christian Center. It's located out in Norway, Illinois. And um sorry, having trouble with the slide here. There we go. And this building right here. This building is called um, they they call it the, I believe, the, the discipleship lodge or disciple making lodge, something to that order. It was in this building in the um, mid to late 90s, that our overseers took a trip overnight. It was kind of fun. We had this overnight. Roger Swank was there. Dale Hanson was there. Kevin Tanner, who lives in South Dakota now. We were there, and we were there for a purpose. We, we, we knew that there was a turnaround that needed to take place at our church. And we are saying, well, you know, where do we go from here? What does the future look like? What does God want us to do? And at that same time, I was in the middle of personally reading a book by James Collins and Jerry Porras called uh, Built to Last. And it was about organizations and companies that had lasted for better than 100 years. And I'm kind of going, well, hey, my goodness, we've been around for better than 100 years, and what ironic timing. We we were reading this together and talking about it, and, and one of the things that he was trying to draw out is what causes an organization to last for a long time? What do those organizations do? What do they all have in common? And they all did have something in common. They all knew what to preserve, and they all knew what to change. They all knew there were certain things you never, ever give up. You never let go. And there are certain things that have to change. A vivid example for us in 1881, our church spoke Swedish. Now I couldn't give you four Swedish words except hormi, doherty, doherty, or whatever the Swedish chef does. But, you know, I don't know Swedish. Most of us don't know Swedish. Um, we didn't preserve our language, we knew that needed to change. But our mission. We're still following Jesus. Nobody said, hey, you know, there's this other guy, kind of chubby, round belly, little statue. Let's go after him. I love incense. They didn't do that. They said, well, there are certain things that can't change. And there are certain things that have to change. The things that can't change, we, we can't change our core values and core purpose. Those have got to stay. On the other hand, we can change our cultural and operating principles, cultural principles, like we like a certain language. We can change specific goals and strategies. And in fact, the way we came out of that time together saying it to our church is our message never changes, but our methods always change. Methodology changes according to the time, changes according to the culture, but the message the message is untouchable. And so what we set out to do in that weekend and really in the time that we were working together was to say, what are the things that can't change? If we, if we last for another hundred years, these things can't be touched. And then what are the things that are flexible? What are the areas that we need to continue to morph and develop and grow? Well, we went back to this founding verse. The founder of the company stated this, Jesus Christ. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples, you see it underlined, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We've talked about this verse a lot throughout the years. We've talked about the fact that that underlined, verb, underlined word, that's the only verb in the passage. Even though there are other action words, those are participles. The participles tell us how to do the action. So making disciples. Jesus said you're to be making disciples. How do you do that? Baptize people. Go and tell them. Teach them to obey God. That's how you go about the process. Now, Now, I think we did a pretty smart thing that day. We said, you know what? If Jesus declared a purpose, we better stick with that. Roger thought it'd be neat to become, you know, a brownie making company, but we said, no, 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 we got to stick with Jesus. So, not really. Anyway, make disciples. That's what Jesus says to do. Now, here's something we recognized. If you say make disciples to a group of people, they may not understand what you're talking about. If they're non church people, They may hear the word discipline in there and they think you're just kind of a scary church. And and Christian people, people who had been Christianized, heard, oh, you're one of those churches that has little books and we fill in the blanks and God so loved the world that he gave his only blank. What answer did you get? You know, that kind of thing. And and so we tried to think what's a better way to say it. And we we landed on the word life change. In fact, it's made it into everything we're about. We're simply life changing. That's the goal that's what we're about if we're not seeing people's lives changed we're not fulfilling the mission jesus gave us so this has got to stay if we're here for another hundred years we can't move away from disciple making and i got news for you if we're not here a hundred years from now it's because we took up something other than disciple making this is why god put us here now beyond that we started looking at this image of the church in Acts 2 that is just, it's the church in its purest form. It's the church right after the Holy Spirit has baptized the church, and I mean, it doesn't get better than this moment. And here's what the Bible says. All the believers devoted themselves. Don't miss that word devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money, their money with those in need. They worshipped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals Meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people, the community outside of the church. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. We looked at this and we said, okay, this is what the church is supposed to look like. So if the church did this, if this is what God wanted the church to do, we'd better figure out what those actions are and we better say, we will never move away from these actions. No matter where we meet, no matter what language we speak, no matter what we do, these actions have got to be there. And we landed on these. We said, looking at the passage, the apostles' teaching is the equivalent of biblical teaching. Not just teaching neat things, but teaching what the Bible has to say. We talked about deepening friendship. That's what fellowship is making sure that, that our roots are growing deeply into each other. We talked about dynamic worship. That's represented in the breaking of bread, that idea of the Lord's Supper, a worship experience. And we used the word dynamic not because we wanted to be loud or because we wanted contemporary, because but because we believed that dynamic was the opposite of static. Or in other words, our worship should always be changing, always morphing, always growing, and always connecting us in a deeper way to God. Prevailing prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And we talk about prayer that prevails as prayer that doesn't quit. You don't pray for it once and say, God, I told you, you know, it's up to you now. But we long for God to do great things as we pray to Him. The next one, we selflessly serve. That's what we see in the majority of that passage. They're meeting together. They're selling things and sharing with people. They're doing all of these things, selflessly serving other people. And in all of that, what do we see? The Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved, there was inevitable expansion. They didn't resist the idea that new people were going to come to Christ. They expected new people to come to Christ. We said, all right, the things that can't change, our purpose can't change. Disciple-making, it's got to be there. And these core values can't change. They, we may reword them a bit, but the principle will always be there. We've got to do these six things. Or in a sense, we truly cease to be a disciple-making church of Jesus Christ. We may be a nice Christian club, but but we're not a disciple-making church of Jesus Christ. And then we moved on to another thing. We started talking about our personality. What's our personality as a church? Because just like individuals have a personality, a church has a personality. Now, here's what we recognize. Our personality falls under the things that can change. In fact, churches can have multiple personalities. We can be all over the place, can't we? Our Our personality can change, and it changes for a number of reasons. Sometimes it changes because of a season we're going through. It changes because of who's in the church. It changes because of the mission God has given us at a particular time. And as we declared our personality, we said, these are not only things we are, but these are things we hope to become. Because honestly, as we pronounce some of them, we weren't them at all. We weren't these things in some of these categories. We said we want to be authentic. What is that? Hey, we want to be real. No, no, no plastic bananas here. No plastic fruit. We're, we're going to be an authentic church. We talked about empowerment, training people to do ministry. We talked about being relational, that that was important. We talk about the word change. I mean, back then our church was so rigid, if you moved it, it broke. You know, And, and we said, no, we've got to come to a point, not that we resist change or fear change, but, but we literally embrace it. We know that change is part of life, and we're going to head into it full on. We talked about excellence, because excellence does what? It honors God and inspires people. So it's not that we're going to be perfect, but we're going to do the best we can. We never just offer God something and say, well, God, there you go we do the best for him that we possibly can. We talked about relevance. Relevance meaning we're going to speak the language of our culture. We're going to make sure that, that people don't have to jump into a vehicle, into a time warp in order to relate to Jesus. And then the last one had to do with the idea of spiritual seekers. And we weren't here at all. We wanted to make sure that we geared ourselves to reach people, purposely reach people who were lost. Because our our, our method back then looked something like this. Have you ever gone fishing in a boat? If you've gone fishing in a boat, raise your hand. Okay. Typically when you go fishing in a boat, it's a really good idea to take along some tackle. But I guess you could just put the boat in the middle of the lake and hope fish jump in. Given the flying carp these days, you might have a good chance. But if you're looking for a good fish, a northern, you know, a musky, something good, a trout, I got news for you. They usually don't just jump in the boat. We had a jump in the boat mentality back then. Hey, if somebody comes along and wants Jesus, we'll let him in. But we weren't going to pull out our tackle and go try to find him. we said, no, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to pull out our tackle and we're going to go find lost people. That was part of the personality we wanted, not just what we were. And I said over over the years that personality has has changed. It's morphed. We had a season, for example, that we expressed our, our personality this way. Five smooth stones. We were moving out here and we knew this was going to be a tough battle. Just like the tough battle David faced with Goliath. And we said, my goodness, we have to be faithful, flexible, focused, fearless, and fun. All those things have to be present if you're going to complete the task that God has given us. And even today, if you were to look on our website, I would say our personality is maturing. Some of the things that we talked about initially are there. And some are growing. For example, we aspire to be authentic. That's still huge. We want to make sure that people come here and the one thing they say is, that's a real group of people. Nobody's faking it. Nobody's putting on airs. You don't have to move up to a certain level in order to feel like you're welcome. We embrace change. That will not change. Sorry, it's just going to stay because we always have to embrace change. It's always coming at us. We keep it simple. We speak our, our, our generation's language. We give our best and our all. There's that excellence thing. And the last one, we remember that it's not about us. It's not about us in any way. It's about reaching lost people. It's about taking care of the kid in the back room. It's about making sure the person sitting next to you right now is having a great experience. But it's never coming and saying, what are you going to do for me today? That's not us. That's not us. We're into making sure we exist for others and not for ourselves. We've tried different ways of communicating who we are throughout the years. and In 2008, one of the, one of the tools we used, another picture, was, was a tripod. And the question we asked was, when our church is working on all cylinders, I mean, when we're firing, what does it look like? And, you know, we talk about keeping it simple. This is what our church looks like. This is how complicated we are. Three legs and three supports. That simple. So what does that look like? Well, first of all, as a church, we worship together. That, that's why we gather here. You know, we'd, we could just say, listen to the podcast, send in your check. But no need to gather. Hey, we'd save the rent. Janitors wouldn't have to come. We wouldn't have to do the setup thing. Uh, you could. I'm sure, Dana, could. you could do a sing-along DVD, couldn't you? Sure. Maybe a little, hey, you know, this would be kind of cool. Uh, Maybe Trevor would call you personally and sing with you on the phone. I don't know. Jeff would play the bass or or just some drumming. You know, there he is out there in Joliet drumming away and we're all going, I hear the drums today, hear the drums today, that must be Jason. No, we know that gathering is important. It's huge that we get together. And we say that this is our vertical focus. What does that mean? Worship is always about God. Uh, if you're walking away from worship and saying, I didn't like that music, you missed the point. If you're walking away and saying, I really didn't get anything out of it today, you missed the point. In worship, God is the audience and we're the performers. Not these guys. We're the performers. God's the one that gets to say, great worship today. or when, What was the deal with you people today? It's, it's, he's the one that's getting this, not us. So we'll always worship. The second one. We said we're journeying together. And in fact, when we introduced this, we were introducing the concept of journey groups. We said we're journeying together. So what we're hoping is that if you want to grow, you'll be part of worship all the time and you'll get involved in a smaller group where you get to be with some people. Now, it's tripod. It's not just a dipod, do pod. So you got to have a third leg, right? What's the third leg? Hey, we 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 serve together. We don't, we don't just worship together, we don't just journey together, but we serve together. And while the journeying together had a horizontal focus, where we're focusing on each other, helping each other, serving has an inward and an outward focus. What do we mean by that? Well, obviously you're focusing on serving someone else. You don't serve you. We're serving someone else, whether it's someone in the church or someone in the community. But it also has this strange inward focus, because serving is the one place I've found That I find out just how much junk is still really in my heart. That's when, that's when it's revealed to me, wow, you look good, but you're doing this for really lousy motives, man. What is your problem? And, and and God really tools on us when we're, when we're bowing before a toilet, cleaning the backside of it, and nobody knows we're doing it. You, you get a chance to find out, who am I really doing this for and what am I really all about? So, three legs. Now, the three legs have three supports to keep them nice and stable. Here are our supports. We operate at our best, first of all, when we invest and invite. What does that mean? Every relationship in your life has a purpose. And that purpose is to draw people closer to God. I didn't say it's to bring them to church. It's to draw them closer to God. Every relationship in your life. You've been you've been left on this earth to bring other people closer to God. If, if you... If that weren't your purpose, God would have saved you and killed you. Why not? Just bring it home now. He left us here to invest in other people's lives and invite them to God. And we're at our best when we've got our eyes off ourselves and we recognize every relationship in my life, my work relationships, everything else, is to invest in other people and invite them along in their walk with God. The second one is when we've had great movements of prayer. What do I mean by movements of prayer? Not the overseers have declared that there will be a prayer meeting every Wednesday night. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the times when spontaneous prayer erupts. When people say, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel burdened to pray. And they gather some other people and they start praying about stuff. Movements of prayer. Because you know what happens when movements of prayer are happening? The Spirit is prompting those. Because God has something he wants to accomplish, and he's moving his people to do something about it. And the final one is community impact. When we've done something that reaches beyond us and isn't just all about ourselves. Now, one of the things we did with the tripod back then, it said, okay, so, so how are we doing? I won't worry about the supports right now. I'll just go after the legs. Back then, we were just introducing journey groups. So we said, you know what? This area needs some help. Now, I don't know about you, but try to use a tripod like that. This is for our telescope. I'm not putting our telescope on this tripod, okay? Um, How about Sunday mornings? Back then we said, you know, Sunday was good, but could be better. Not only, I mean, it wasn't that the music was bad or something, but in other words, we can always be growing in our ability to give God better worship and in our participation to make sure we actually show up. So it's kind of interesting. Not really standing very well. What we did say is serving A plus. We you know, we were doing great there. Doesn't still got issues because our legs aren't even and we said we gotta we gotta even out the legs some. So here's what's happened that's really cool. I mean, we went after journey groups like mad people. And we've had people working behind the scenes to organize journey groups and we've had leaders that have taken it on and you have signed up like nobody's business. And the things that have happened in groups have been fantastic and we're going, hey, that thing's functioning, man. That's beautiful. Okay, that, that's looking good. The worship piece, well, you know, we, we like what's happening in worship. I, I think that the leaders are doing a good job. I think on the other hand, we have struggled a little bit more with... Uh, Just regular, consistent participation in worship, where we're saying, hey, you know, worship feels a little bit optional. Maybe I'll be there, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll participate, maybe I won't. So I don't know, that one might be about the same, maybe a little bit lower. Yeah, still got this thing going. And then there's serving. And you know what? Serving, which was our best leg, has taken a hit. It's taken a hit, in part because some people walked away, and some of us aren't stepping up and saying, it's my turn in part because some of us have busy lives and say, I just can't get involved in serving anymore. But now here's... That's kind of what we're looking like these days. Again, you're going to put your telescope on it? No. What this says is our leaders have some work to do in shoring up leading a couple of areas, and, and we all have some work to do because this isn't just a leader thing. I mean, ultimately, God, God really wants us what? To be nice and steady and sturdy, level, fully functioning, all eight cylinders. So, maybe we'll pull it out again in a year and say how the leg's doing. Uh, let's keep journey groups where it is, okay? Strong! But let's pick up the serve a little bit. And, and let's just do something as simple as saying, I, I'm not going to skip out on my brothers and sisters when it comes to worship. I'm going I'm to gonna, I'm gonna be dedicated to being there because you know here, here's what it all comes down to I'm, I'm thinking about okay so I want to prepare for birthday 260. I went to my rheumatologist this year and to this past weekend and I get I get it this past week and I guess it chances are he's telling me I won't be there so <laughs> arthritis might get me before 2141 <clears throat> um I don't know. On the 260th birthday, I kind of doubt they're going to say, do you remember the Shanahan days? Do you remember the school? They've rebuilt a new one now with little Jetson ports and all that. But do you remember where that thing used to be? I, I, I don't know that they'll look back at our moment in time. But we have to look forward to theirs. Because unlike everything that's going on in our country, we care about the future more than we do the present. We care about making sure that our kids know God and their kids and their kids and their kids. We care about the condition of our nation morally and spiritually. We care about what's coming after us and not just now. We do. But, you know, wishing, clicking our heels three times and saying there's no place like 2141, it's not going to get it done. What do we need to do? I don't have a long list today, but here's the first one, and it's huge. We always have to depend on God. If somehow we get the idea that there's a great program out there or a kit or something that we can whip up, and that'll, that'll get it done, good luck. That's not going to get it done. In 1881, they depended on God. When they were building that building on Jackson Street, they depended on God. When they were transitioning from Swedish to English, they depended on God. When we moved out here, we depended on God. And we're depending on Him today, and we've always got to depend on God. The second thing has to do with direction. I also could have put decisions, and it comes down to what we talked about before. we got to make sure that some things never change and some things stay really flexible. We never give up on disciple-making. We never give up on what a church of Jesus Christ does in order to bring about disciples. But you know what? Everything else is up for grabs. Everything else is up for grabs. And we've got to make sure that we keep a degree of flexibility, that we're looking at our culture, and we're looking at what's going on in our church, and we're looking at what God is blessing, and we're jumping in on the things He desires. Direction in those decisions are huge. But I want to bring you to the most important word of all, and it was the one in the passage, and that's the word devotion. And, folks, I'm not talking about devotion to a, to a church or an organization. I'm talking about a level of devotion to God and to other people that, honestly, in our time in 2011 is taking a huge hit. People are devoted to nothing anymore. They're devoted to nothing. Consumerism has taken our heart, and we'll, just, we'll go for the highest bidder. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Kmart versus Target. I'm talking about this spouse versus that spouse. I'm talking about this church versus that church. I'm talking about we are just, we've given up on the concept of devotion. And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. And if we don't find that devotion that the Acts 2 church had, a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, a devotion to serving others, and a devotion to seeing people come to look, come to know Jesus Christ, our church will be a memory. We will be a memory. Now, I'm not just talking about, so we got to all work harder, put our shoulder behind it a little bit more, because that's not, devotion isn't about working harder. I think in a sense it's about loving harder. It's about saying, God, you truly are the most important being in my life. It's that pearl of great price. It's all the things we see in the Bible when a person says, I have to go after that because nothing else matters as much. It is the issue of our time. It is the issue of our era. I promise you, our parents' era and our parents' parents' era, they were devoted just because that's what you do. They were loyal just because that's what you do. Our era says devotion, dismotion. I didn't practice that one. And I want to do it slowly. I never know what I'm going to make up. <clears throat> We've got to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we call ourselves, right? Fully devoted. Not kind of devoted, not dabbling, not distracted. Devoted. That's the best thing we can give. To see that they have a happy birthday, and remember, it's not about us; it's always about someone else. So here's what I want you to do with your card right now. Team's going to come to the platform and get in position, and you're going to do a little work in silence. I want you to write a prayer. Hopefully, you got your card and you got your pen. Want you to write a prayer, and it's a prayer about our church. And honestly, you know, I'm not I'm not big on telling people how to pray. The Spirit tells you how to pray. Maybe it's a prayer for that gang, for the 2041 gang. Maybe it's a prayer for our level of devotion. Maybe it's a prayer for a group that you think, God, we've got to do something to reach those people. What's the prayer that you offer up to God today on behalf of this church? That's your birthday gift. That's your birthday gift to uh, First Swedish Bethel Rock Run Southfield. Write a prayer. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes of quiet right now. Start writing. Go ahead.
0: We're going to transition into communion right now. You can complete your prayers. As we go into communion, I just want to invite you all to take part with us and just think on what Christ did for us. As the trays are passed, there's a stack of two cups. Just go ahead and take one stack and the elements are in in that stack. You have both the bread and the juice and you can take it whenever you're ready. Being broken is not always an easy place to get to but it's a beautiful place to be. for not allowing us to stay stagnant we thank you Father for bringing change into our lives God we thank you Father for challenging us to stretch us Father we thank you for growing us and Lord help us not to resist that God we love you and we thank you for breaking us but for mending us and and making us stronger, Lord, and for for molding us the way that you want us to be. We praise you for that, God, and we give you thanks for that today. Lord, we worship you. Amen.
1: Now, God, as we leave this place today, I pray that we would be inspired to be devoted, not to an organization, that's not what this is about, but to a deeper devotion to you, to a deeper devotion to your cause, to a deeper devotion to your work in this world to not be just distracted all the time by the junk that's pulling our focus away from what really matters. I'm thankful that there was a group years ago that kept their eyes on the race. And God, it's our turn. And someday we'll get to cheer them on. But, but right now, God, our challenge, our time, continues to be to grow as fully devoted followers of Jesus. We long for You. We depend on You in that. Help us to be everything you desire for us. Thanks for the birthday. Amen.